Hialeah has come out and supported, and I really appreciate that because I did it for them, and they're respecting it and appreciating it, and so it's awesome. Well, I mean, I think a lot, there's a lot to be said. Are you yawning during my interview? I, listen, I'm trying Nick, to drink can we coffee. go back to the, the other interviews oh, and see how many yawns he does? A Is lot. Am I the only one? A lot. I think that might be the first time. Yeah. I feel like I'm getting a lot of disrespect here. You guys are a bunch of pricks. I just <laughs> want to put that out there. Are we recording? Yeah, we're very Welcome to Pondcomb Podcast, featuring myself... Mike Beltran. Featuring with, with you. Shut up. Featuring you. You're the host of this. The show. sound guy, Nick Jimenez. And our esteemed, prestigious guest. Tell the people who you are. You're not noticing my name? No. <laughs> <laughs> my name is Matt Kusher. No, t- AKA, t- AKA I'm, I'm on time and uh, Mike Oof. is late at all. Tell me your real name, too. Tell me your real name. My real name is Matt Kusher. No, it's not. It's not. They call me Kush. Your alter ego. Captain Kush? Yes, Captain yes. Kush. This is the first guest we've had with an alter ego. I, that's not I don't know. Me, Danny's, way, Danny's got a uh, he's got a yo-yo thing. That's right. If I were to if I were to ever guess if there were to be a villain to Captain Kush, it would be Danny the Yo-Yo Man. Is that his super villain the, name? The yo-yo Danny guy. the Yo-Yo Man? Yeah. <laughs> this is how I know Mike doesn't respect me, is that we actually have villains. And no, I, they're out there oh, and you don't man. know who they are. I don't. Captain Kush's villain is I actually could. the blunted bandit. He's in California. He stole superpowers. And we also have Dr. Dank, who's in Broward. It's like, no for being a Dade guy, you don't know about Miami superheroes. There's no, you're, you're right. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> That's absolutely correct. So, um, yeah, what we were talking about earlier is the way this normally goes. While Mike eats his uh, key lime pie. Yes, excuse me. Uh, I will note that uh, on this episode of the podcast, we are back to an old sponsor. That's Croqueta Doorstops. Oh, man. The Croqueta Doorstop is back. The Croqueta Doorstop is back. This episode is brought to you by Croqueta Doorstops, the doorstop that is also a croqueta. This meriendita has an open-door policy. That's croquetadoorstops.com. Don't mind the error message when you visit the website. <laughs> I want to start off, but I, wa- I wanted to sponsor you guys. That's how this even started. Listen, I actually talk wanted to, to support. Nick, man. That's Nick, another conversation. Why did you want me Nick, to sponsor? Nick, That's another conversation. He makes because decisions. They, we, we, have not, I didn't even know we had an email. Fuck out of here. What are you talking about? You didn't know we had an email. What does that mean? I didn't know we had an email. What is that? What do you like? The, an email was written? Somebody said that they sent an email to us to our email. I'm like, what are you talking about? Who's somebody? Somebody sent me a message. Real quick, Nick, where's my cigar? I thought yeah, we were smoking I know. Why are you so unprepared? That's why Let's I agreed sure. to this. Was I, I thought we were smoking while cigars. I'm, while no, I'm you fishing, want to hang out while I'm getting cigars. Start with you. Yeah, yeah. While I'm getting cigars out of the bag, why don't you oh. take the task on of making sure everybody knows who Matt is? I have to say. I'm go ahead. Judge go you on this, by the way. Yeah. On, my, on what? On the representation of who I am. Did you get my message about getting a lighter? putts. That's who you are. Done. I'm out of here. I'm going to go ask your people for a lighter as well. Whatever you want. No, we don't don't have a lighter. No worries. I got a Captain Kush lighter right here. Oh, there it is. So, Matt, I have to say that I I have a lot of respect for you. Thank you. I really love um, your concepts. And I remember I texted you. This was, what, like four or five months ago? I was eating at Spillover. Okay. And... It's like what I was saying. The attention to detail in a lot of your concepts to me is something that I admire. Because so often do we miss the small things that make concepts special. You know what I mean? Like a restaurant is a restaurant, right? But it's the smaller things that make people come back that, you know, whether it's uh, design or things on the wall or the actual concept itself gets people to come back. And that's something that I learned. Oh, 
You are a fucking angel. Shannon coming in with the, like, quadruple latte. Don't worry, Shannon. I don't want one. No, it's fine. He's fine. Don't fucking listen to this guy. Um, Well, I will say this. I I go out of my way to try to find the one thing that is most overlooked, and that's where I try to make the cool, fun thing about, whether it's a urinal cake, whether it's matches, whether it's a coaster or whatever it is. I try to find the things that get overlooked and kind of make those the talking points. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, your Guatemecado mural... In Hialeah, it's now, I mean, now, you know, it should be like a shrine. It is a shrine. It's like a shrine. There's flowers, and people and leave he, flowers there. Do you know they don't? Oh, yeah, there's a whole oh. flower uh, thing there, and they did a documentary there uh, like a month ago. No, they didn't. Yeah. Oh, man. This right. guy uh, from um, uh, O Cinema. He got picked up by Netflix, I think. No, yeah. I don't believe that. I'm dead serious. So, Matt, if you can do uh, everyone a favor, because we have, we have big-time listeners over in Salina, Kansas. Maine, and those people are not lucky enough to have been to any of your places. Sure. So if you could tell tell the people a little bit about, you know, just your concepts, and then we'll go into your background. So I started a locale in 2011. That's in Coconut Grove. Uh, in 2014, we opened uh, Kush. In 2016, I opened up The Spillover, which was our seafood restaurant. And then uh, in 2017, we opened up Vicky's House, which is our milkshake bar. And uh, this year, we opened up Stevens Deli, or I should say reopened. It was the oldest Jewish-style deli in Florida. And we also opened up La Cucina, which is Hialeah's first cocktail bar. Oof. Yes. So we got a lot of places going on. Oh, and I'm in the timeout market with you as well. Oh, man, the fucking We're neighbors. Fuck. I mean, the only good thing about that market is that we're neighbors. It was a good, nice, uh, nice perk to have everybody there. Yeah. So 2011. So it's been what nine years? Yeah. It's going to be nine years. So yeah, you're yeah. almost going to be ten years old. That's pretty amazing. Restaurant concept makes it a decade. That's impressive. Yeah. Locales, uh, my baby. There's no question about that. I don't remember life before your first restaurant. I don't. Know. You remember it because I can. I watch it. I listen to your podcasts. You have memories. I have a blackout of anything before locale. <laughs> That's called a different time. Yeah. So before you decided to open up your own things, where did you start in the industry? So I'm a third generation restaurateur. My grandfather had That's bars, crazy. restaurants in Brooklyn, uh, also in, in Broward and later in his life. My father owned a Dunkin' Donuts in the 80s. I grew up seven years old working the register making donuts. That was when Dunkin' Donuts was one in every town and... It wasn't a fast food. You actually made the donuts there, and it was like a real place. Uh, and then had cafeterias and whatnot. So I was always been in the food business my whole life. And then out of college, I mean, I worked at you know Outback Steakhouse and every. I opened up the American Airlines Arena with Levy. Um, oh, yeah. But the bulk of my career was at uh, Houston's in New York, and a little bit here in Florida as well in Coral Gables. Houston's is one of my favorite places ever. Would you say that Houston's was a big uh, influence on you? I have a lot of uh, mixed emotions about that. Oh, yeah? So uh, I had a very bad breakup with them, and uh, so I don't look at that my time there as a positive one. Oh, wow. That being said, if it wasn't for them, my most of my opening staff were people that trusted me enough to come there. For, make a, they're making a lot of money, and they came with me to you know, open up this little farm-to-table concept in the Grove. So without that, I would have never been able to be where I am right now. Plus... I learned everything, you know, I needed to know from them, which was a lot. But the one thing that I really hated about them, which I'm very aware of here, is that uh, I had to hide the fact that I wanted to open up a restaurant. 
They were not supportive by any stretch of the imagination. Oh, yeah. Very unsupportive. And uh, even goes further than that where they were, like, banning my people to go to my restaurant like I was a competition to them. But I go my opposite now. Because of that experience, I make sure that all my managers and my staff, I try to find out what they want to do in life. And I let them know beforehand, if you want to open a restaurant, you want to open up this, you let me know. I'm going to help you do that. Yeah. You don't have to hide it from me. I'm going to be there and I'm going to be your first customer. And that's how it's always been. Yeah. That's pretty interesting that they went that route. Was it just like this location or was it the whole company? It's a longer story. Oh, okay. All right, all right. Heard that Probably, backstory. Uh, let me smoke a couple joints and then we can talk about it another day. But. So tell me about you weren't born here. I'm from Washington, D.C. or outside of Washington, oh, D.C. I'm actually going to D.C. in a couple weeks. Yeah. That's ah, going to be my first I told time. you. I went to high school with the Oh, that's kid. right. The uh, guy that was in the documentary. Yeah, yeah. No one knows what we're talking about. It's totally fine. <laughs> um, so you were born in D.C.? I was born in Chicago. I grew up in Washington, D.C. or in Maryland, but right outside of Washington, D.C. I left when I was 18, went to Arizona, oh. flunked out of school. Um, I didn't know what to do. I was looking at myself in the mirror like, you're a fucking loser. What are you going to do? It was a kind of a turning point. Uh, lucky enough, my uh, father knew someone that worked at FIU Hospitality, and uh, he got me into FIU Hospitality. I left Arizona with nine credits and a 1.0 GPA, so I was on the way down. Amazing. So FIU actually did change my life. Um, the thing that's funny about Miami in general and FIU is that people from Miami look at FIU one way, and I look at it a totally different way because you guys look at it kind of like the – Stepbrother, the annoying stepbrother that's kind of there. Such a general statement. No, it's guys. true. Yeah, FIU doesn't get much love. Listen, I was at the FIU game. Uh, I mean, I'm not, I, like, I don't, I really don't, I, I don't have any feelings towards FIU. You should. I, why? It's just a school that's in my city. It's true. I mean, you like UM, I grew up liking the Hurricanes, but I, I didn't go to college there. Well, either way, typically FIU okay, doesn't typically, get that yes. much love. Um, but it changed my life because I went from being a total fuck up to, I can curse here or no? Oh, yeah. Come uh, on. Say, say all From the being a total fuck up to uh, actually caring because I was taking accounting, but accounting for restaurants or I was taking, you know, whatever class it was. It was towards how to open a restaurant or run a restaurant. So that was really life changing for me. So, yeah, FIU. Go Golden Panthers. After FIU, what happened? After FIU, um, I actually started working at Houston. So, yeah, I started at oh, wow. 21 years old. So I was there 11 years. Holy shit. Yeah. 11 years. Yeah. I moved to New York. I was going to say, you worked at the one in New York. Yeah, I moved to New York, and I applied, and I uh, I didn't know anything about it, to be honest with you. And I, I got a job somewhere else, and they offered me like $8,000 more money. So I just <laughs> went with them, not really knowing anything about that place. And uh, 11 years later, I was still there. Wow, that's pretty incredible. I don't know. 11 years. My longest stint anywhere has been four, and it's my restaurant. Yeah. So I can't <laughs> go anywhere. And you're still young. Yeah. Um, so... You're really you really prepared on this, huh? Huh? You're really prepared with these. Why? I'm not. <laughs> I, don't ever, I don't ever pre-plan. They just, it's all off the cuff, man. <laughs> if you can believe it. Yeah. I can. <laughs> so after, um, so when you open up Locale, the first like 12 months, how did that feel? So, uh, yeah, the first night I opened Locale first was. First of all, well, sorry yeah, to cut you tell off. Tell me. I'd have to say, and I need to say this, and I'm not stroking you because I really don't care to, but what I am going to say is. You were one of the OGs of the Grove that brought, like, actual good food to the Grove. Thank you. I mean, a lot of people talk about, like, the renaissance that, like, Ariette brought. I mean, 
Locale was way before that, and they were doing like good food. There's a lot of fucking shit food here. So, yeah, there's no question. When I opened up, you know, listen. Now there's I think nine restaurants on your street on my street where yeah. where I was on just a half a street really. Yeah. Um, well, because the middle is empty. And uh, and when I was there, I remember I'll never forget this. It was a regular from my old job that was there and was like, uh, "Oh, what are you doing?" I was like, "I'm opening a restaurant right there," and I pointed to Locale, and he gave me a look of like, "You're gonna fail." Like he's like, "You're right next to." the hood and i'm like okay I, I didn't even know what to like say also across the street from million dollar homes but whatever but i also just quit my job put every dollar i had and, yeah. uh, and fucking you know my heart on the shelf for you to just be like hey f- you know you're gonna yeah. fail you're fucking. a moron you know people don't the respect level i have for any entrepreneur in any business uh is so much higher than anybody else because until you're in those shoes yeah you have no idea what that is you my, have no idea my favorite was a guy that um I mean, we had like no, when we opened area, we had like no functioning equipment. <laughs> like, we had like the cooking line. And then we had um, like a small KitchenAid mixer. And that's where we're doing like all of our bread for bread service, burger buns, the whole nine. And he was like, you know, you guys aren't going to make it because you don't give people second rounds of free bread. And I'm like, you know what? Go fuck yourself. Like, get the fuck out. Like, how do you... What, the you question is, did you really say that? Because I feel like you would actually say that. No, I don't remember what I said in okay. return. <laughs> I met the guy again years later. And, and then I met him again years later after that. He's actually a really nice guy. Yeah. But well, he just, you know, he's... Uh, they don't I, realize that your heart is on the shelf. That's the thing. Well, I mean, he was just like... And I met him at a dinner and I was wearing an Ariette hat. And he was like, oh, you work at Ariette? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, they don't give free second bread there. Surprise, they're still open. <laughs> and then I was like... I'm actually the owner. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, oh. <laughs> next time, just ask me. And then, actually, funny enough, uh, a dinner I went to at Danny Surfer's restaurant, I sat next to the guy. And then we chopped it up. It was actually a very nice guy. We still don't give free second rounds of bread, though. I mean, I don't give anything for free. No, nah, you know, I'm aware. I'm aware. I'm aware. <laughs> the one no, sorry. So, go. So the guy, I mean, yeah. No, no so. They don't understand. Like, no one understands that 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 mindset that you're like, this is it. This is all. This is all I got here. Listen, it's the scariest thing in the fucking world. Yeah. If you fail, you're going backwards. You're, you're going steps backwards. To be honest with you, yeah. um, and uh, I'll never forget. You know, the first night we opened, I took a, I just took a shot of Jack Daniels like straight. Had a boy. And I never. It didn't even feel. It was like I needed it. And it I remember like at one moment I just grabbed my wife and just started dancing because I was so like in la la land of how scared I was. Yeah. And it was actually happening. And it's like, when you talk about your dream, you could talk about it for fucking 50 years. Oh, I'm going to open the best or do this. But when you're there, it's put up or shut up. Yeah. And you don't know what it is. You can have the best fucking chef. You can be the best fucking this. You can be the best you dad. Honestly, the things I love talking about the most is the business side of why restaurants succeed and fail. Because what people don't realize is the least before you even start that matters. Not how good of a chef you are. Not how good your recipe is. Not how fucking blah, blah. It's that you're, fucking lease is the most important thing. You're a deal thing. guy. This is why we get along. I don't even know, but I've become one because it's oh, so you, important I mean, in the success. Yeah, but that's – if you can broker yourself a good deal at the beginning, then you set yourself up for a better long term. And by the way, I got lucky. And, uh, I you mean, know – I, I, Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm with you. Like if, if, uh, if area wasn't favorable – you know, like year two, when we were days away from closing, we would have closed. Yeah, of course. Yeah. We, we would have closed. It wouldn't have been an option at that point. So, you know, um, I remember talking about like the first day of opening this place the night before. I obviously could not sleep. 
and I just set up the dining room by myself at like 3.30 in the morning. Just like alone. Moving tables around, there's, there's nobody around, and I was like, I, what am I going to do? Go home and sleep? Fuck out of here. And then the first day, the hood broke, so I had to wheel the wood grill out of the dining room while there was diners in there. It's just like, it's just a mess, man. Yeah. You know, and nobody gets it. Like, oh, you should have been better prepared. Man, get, you know what? No, the best is when they come in afterwards. Like, oh, you should have an outlet oh, uh, right, right, there. right there. Or something stupid. You're like, yeah. do you have any fucking like, decisions had to be made yeah. to even have an outlet fucking there? Like, yeah. oh, it's the worst. It's like uh, this morning, I was meeting with like some uh, equipment guy because we're going to redo the kitchen. Uh and he's like, you know, you should have gotten, you should get yourself a nice, a nice fridge, like a nice big fridge. I'm like, let me ask you a question. <laughs> that nice big fridge, how much does that cost? He's like, yeah, you know, they run anywhere with 12, 14,000. Exactly. <laughs> so I should have got that three years ago and I had no fucking money. Yeah. And he's just like, well, yeah, yeah you make a good point. Yeah. Like, Fuck out of here, man. That, a lot of that shit's luck. I, I thought I was ready to open a restaurant five years into my corporate job. Right. And... I ended up staying 11 because I wasn't ready, even though I thought I was ready. And I signed – I was ready to go into three different places that if I would have gone in at the time, I was – I had parties like, hey, we're going to open up. And they would have failed. They would have 100% failed. I didn't have enough money. I didn't know what I was doing in the lease-wise. And no matter how good I would have been, it wouldn't have worked. Truthfully, there's – very rarely do you have enough money to, like, open up a concept the way it's supposed to be funded. Yeah, but it was finally when I actually sat down, wrote a business plan and, like – went the professional way that I felt well-funded and well-ready to go, which it wasn't well-funded. I did it for, like, $200,000, but... Oh, man. Yeah. Well, That's... we were hoarding furniture for fucking months. I, you should, I was at every garage sale, every fucking liquidation. Uh, you have no idea the shit we did when we first opened them. I'm... I'm sure, I'm yeah, sure you I know. Well. I get it. No, I mean, like, the table. a lot of the tables and chairs that are in area now are still the table. They, they were here before. I sanded them down and restained them. Well, how about I have I've been there now ten years and we have the same tables That's what I'm that saying. I got from I can name every restaurant in Miami that closed and I can tell you that they have given a part of Miami to us. <laughs> Even I still do it now. I still I did it at Stevens, I did oh, it at yeah. Spillover, definitely I, did it at Vicky's house. Dude, at Vicky's house, I was walking my dog in the grove and I do this a lot, and people throw away their trash on Fridays. Hmm. I picked up the trash and put it in Vicky's house as a dresser. A week later, my neighbor, who I did not know, walked over and was like, that's my dresser. I was like, <laughs> like, you threw it well, away. It's now not it's your part dresser of Vicky's anymore. And it's here for life. So Yeah, last time I was in Vicky's house, we uh, we were having coffee at like 2, and you whooped my ass in Tecmo Bowl. Remember that? Oh, yeah. I love Tecmo Bowl. But it's not fair, though. You have it on property. You probably play all the time. That was David Fulcher on the Bengals. If you know about David Fulcher, you know about Super Tecmo Bowl. If you don't know about <laughs> David Fulcher, then you got a lot to learn. Yeah, well, you know. How far after was Kush? So I opened Kush in 2014. Honestly, I opened it up because uh, I had a manager who was a day one employee that I was very thankful for, David. He opened up uh, Union. Um, oh, yeah. And I wanted to open up something for him. I wanted to give him something because, you know, I wanted him to grow. So it was supposed to be just like a little craft beer bar. Uh, and then it just it turned into much more than that, which is it's awesome. crazy. But, the place yeah. is crazy. Yeah, we found a dead body the first week we opened. Man, Syringes we'll, everywhere. We'll edit that part out. Right. We want people to keep going. <laughs> just, well, they're going, believe me. Uh, well, that's my – people always talk about, like, restaurants, like, location, location, location. Every time I drive by Kush and it's fucking slammed, I'm like, I don't get it. This is not a location-driven thing. So location is obviously extremely important. Rent, is, I still think, is the most important thing. But Kush is on a corner, and it is on a corner that it, to turn to Biscayne, you got to go nine blocks up. So I did kind of know that. 
So I knew that there was going to be a lot of driver-by traffic there. And it had an awesome canvas for, like, a logo for a wall and stuff like that. So in that sense, I, I did realize that part. But the rent was where it needed to be for us to hit a single. I'm not trying to hit grand slams. I'm trying to hit singles. Yeah, small. So I think smaller restaurant concepts have always been, like, the thing for me, even though our last one was big. I mean, that's much bigger than <laughs> anything I, I thought we were ever going to open. But, um I mean, like, Ariad, the plan was for it to be, like, 70 seats, you know? But 70 is big. Well, I mean, I I don't know. For the amount of labor it takes to do the kind of food we conceptually walked in trying to do, not really. I mean, you know, you're only doing 70 in one turn on a Friday on, like, peak hour. I mean, you think about, like, those big-ass steakhouses that they have, like, fucking 400 seats. They're trying to capitalize on that Friday night. Yeah. They're not trying to do it every night. I mean, they, w- they would like to, but they're not going to. I want to open up a steak room. Like a steak apartment. Okay. Just like, and have like a small steakhouse, you know, Just, because the steakhouse are always. a personal steakhouse. Yeah, but like a 20-seater. But you never see 20-seat steakhouses or steak rooms. Well. Maybe there's a reason. There's there's a re- money, I think there's know. a solid reason. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm not a big fan of steakhouses, but I'm just not a steak. What guy. about steak apartments? Would you like Yeah, that? I'd probably go to a steak apartment <laughs> for the experience. But last time we hung out, we went to Hometown Barbecue. That's correct. And that, I think both of us. As operators, I really enjoyed what they did with that place. Right? Sure. Would you not agree? No, I do. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the conversation, just talking about like big spaces, like, I mean, that, that was like a warehouse. I just, I think uh, it goes back into what uh, I was surprised that that wasn't done by someone from Miami more so than anything. It was Why? someone from I, out of town and finally got it right. I think, Miami. well, they partnered with people from Miami. Still, there's a lot of rich people in Miami that want to bring rich people from, or, you know, celebrity chef think, type people. I think from a lot places. of a lot of Miami restaurant wise, I mean, they get, they're scared to put in the gamble. That's why people are still opening up restaurants in the heart of Wynwood, thinking that it's better to pay $150 a square foot than to open up in the Grove 10 years ago or to open up all the way at the end of Main Highway or to open up in Alapata. Or in Hialeah. Or in Hialeah. Yeah. Which, by the way, Nick, I got a little beef. You know, you, you keep mentioning. Uh, All right. The people, there's probably like three people watching. Uh, you kept yeah. saying Kahachina is your sponsor. And as Hialeah's adopted son, you kept saying Miami. And then you would correct it later with Hialeah. We got that script from them. Oh, okay. Oh! Because remember, this talking to the people outside of Miami. I, 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 knew, I knew that. I just was, you know, as adopted son, I'm a little sensitive to the Hialeah uh, experience. Steven's been open how long now? It opened in 1954. I'm I took it over. Uh, to, uh, it's been open four months, maybe five months. Yeah. I took my dad to lunch. I told you the story, but I'll tell everyone else. Took my dad to lunch. My dad is like a, a terrible diner. He's like the one that just complains about fucking everything. Portions are too small. It's too fucking expensive. Sounds like our clientele already. Everyone, everywhere. And um, as soon as we walked in there, he was like, I used to come here. Because, you know, we had a, a clothing company, and we had a warehouse in Hylia. And he was like, I used to come here for meetings all the time. And I was like, it's the same, but just, just different. He goes, yeah. well, it looks the same. I'm like, yeah, but different. He goes, yeah, a little different. And he enjoyed I, That was my goal, is, and it took me a lot of money to try to make it look the same. I know. Because I had to rip sense. it apart and put it back there. And it was not. it's actually harder to make it look the same than it is to build a new restaurant because there's a history there you can't fuck with. Right. Um, and you, there's a lot of stuff you can't recreate. Like, I was doing Vicky's house. I needed to get laminate floor. They don't make laminate floor anymore. I was, like, all over freaking Asia trying to find laminate floor, and I basically, at the end, had to recreate it. And uh, it's hard to do those things. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Recreating laminate floor. 
So, Stevens, how long were you working on the project? Two years. Two years. Yeah, it took me a year and a half to open. How long did you think it was going to take to open? I'm smart enough to know now that shit takes time. Yeah. So I don't even hold my breath anymore with that kind of stuff. Uh, So it was what I wished it opened in a year, yes. Did I expect it to open when it did? Pretty much. And reaction after you opened? Was it was it with myself? People. Oh, people were going crazy. Uh, Was it what you expected or was it more? Um, it was more to be honest with you because Stevens uh, has a weird history. It's been there forever, and it is people do know it, but most of Miami does not know it, mm-hmm. and most of Hialeah does not know it. So I had to recreate and reinvest, you know, like reinvest on this story and this history. So we get people like your dad, and so I basically got a book, and every time someone had a cool story about them coming there, I had them write down their story in the book. So the coolest story I can think of right now is there was a lady who was 99 years old, by the way, ate a fucking pastrami sandwich, key lime pie, and was smiling ear to ear. And she's like, I've been coming here since the 50s. I was talking to this lady forever and ever. At the end of the day, I was like, you can't be 99 years old. And she shows me her driver's license. I just had a kid. The kid was supposed to be born on her day, on her birthday, which was October. And I was like, fuck, if my kid's born on on this day, which it was supposed to be, I know someone 100 years older than my kid. My kid was born two days earlier, but well, so it still the story was, up. Yeah. But it was great to hear. Yeah, it was great to hear those things. And, and there's a lot of people like that. And listen, Junior, Junior's 83 years old. He, Is he? he oh yeah, he's 83. He works Monday through Friday. Man, he's every crushing day. it for 83. He does not want to retire. Um, I told him I'd pay him to sit on the chair, and he wants to keep slicing pastrami and corned beef, which is fine by me. Uh, but he's got a great memory, and he tells me he fills in a lot of the gaps of the neighborhood in Hialeah, and he knows a lot about Hialeah because. A lot of the people that live in Hialeah now move there basically in the 80s. Right. The Hialeah that was before the 80s doesn't live in Hialeah anymore. No. Uh, so he has a lot of history that a lot of people don't know about Hialeah, or at least that specific neighborhood of Hialeah. And the bar. The bar is the shit. I, I love that place. I know. I just I haven't been at nighttime. I just did a walkthrough like when I had Yeah. Lunch. I mean, you're not a big drinker, and obviously it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a big drinking place. But um, Hialeah has come out. And supported, and I really appreciate that because I did it for them, and they're respecting it and appreciating it, and so it's awesome. Well, I mean, I think a lot. There's a lot to be said. Are you yawning during my interview? I, listen, I'm trying Nick, to. Nick, can we coffee. go back to the the other interviews oh, and see how many yawns he does? Is, am I the only one? A lot. I think that might be the first. Episode. Yeah, I feel like I'm getting a lot of disrespect here. You guys are a bunch of pricks. I just <laughs> want to put that out there. Um, there's a lot to be said about the fact that now people don't need to travel to get. A good cocktail or good food if they live in Hialeah. It's the same thing as like when I when Eileen was on the show and she opened up Finca, it's like people didn't need to travel so far to get a good cocktail and just like a different I guess vibe would say. Like, you know, there's nothing like Finca, just like there's nothing like Stevens and La Cocina. Yeah, the La Cocina is a little bit different only because I really made it Hialeah based. Mm-hmm. Like it's not Cuban, it's not Miami, it's stuff from Hialeah. So if you're not from Hialeah, you might not get a lot of the decor and the jokes that I put in there. Just, for example, the Hialeah Spider-Man that's in the men's room. If you're not from Hialeah, you don't know who Hialeah Spider-Man is. But if you're from Hialeah, you know Can you that educate a, our, our people from Salina, Kansas about yeah, the Hialeah, Hialeah Spider-Man's Spider- a guy that has a Spider-Mobile, and he dresses up like Spider-Man. He sells women's shoes out of the back of his trunk, and he sits there on 49th Street selling in front of Canales Tires or different places. And now he's actually in front of Stevens every Saturday, which is even fucking awesome. Um, but everybody knows him. 
but if you're from Little Havana or from Kendall, you don't know who Hialeah Spider-Man no, is. No, no, I'm from Little Havana, so I had no idea. So I, I really went the extra detail to really get the underbelly of Hialeah and not just Miami, 305, Cuba. Do you feel like you're going to see an influx of more things? I mean, not like a Stevens because there's a lot of history there, but kind of like the whole thing that you did, take taking like a restaurant operator that's in Gable's I get, what is is Cush considered Winwood? It's Winwood, but we're uh, on the border of Overtown. Fringe, Wynwood, yeah, Fringe Winwood. Yeah. But we're in Winwood, yeah, yeah. We're the first business technically in Winwood, actually, to open restaurant concepts in Hialeah. Do you think you're going to see more of that? I don't know. You're going to have to ask other people. To be honest, with you. There's a brewery opening. Umbrand is opening right around the corner from us. Oh, okay. And that's been a long project. That's finally opening soon. But um, I don't know. Um, it's a different animal. If you don't really go after the, the like who that Hialeah is, it's going to be a tough. It's going to be a tough one. Yeah. You know, not to toot my horn, but I went. I, I did a cocktail bar that could be in Tokyo, Paris, New York, or Hialeah. I, I didn't do a dive bar, a bar in Hialeah that's you know serving mojitos and freaking uh, and stupid drinks. We're doing a high end cocktail bar that could be anywhere in the world that I'd be proud of if it was in Paris or Tokyo or New York. And I specifically in there put clocks on three hundred five. Tokyo, Paris, New York, Hialeah, because I want to be at that level. I don't want to be known as a Hialeah bar. I want to be known as the fucking best cocktail bar. That, by the way, is in Hialeah. Hmm. Interesting. So I didn't dumb it down for the neighborhood or whatever, you know, people might think I should have done in Hialeah. You think people would think that you should have? I don't care. I mean, I'm, I'm always going to do what I think is right. Oh, I mean, I know. I'm aware. <laughs> I'm aware. So, Next. Do you have any new plans that you want to share with the class? <laughs> not really. I mean, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm always I've got projects on the horizon, but uh, nothing that's mentionable at this moment. We we'll talk about that later, I guess. Yeah, ten years. So you've been a restaurateur for ten years. Yeah, pretty much. How do you feel being a decade in? Well, when I first opened, you know, it was my wife and I, and my wife was bartending, and I was working 17, 18 hour days and sleeping on a fucking bag of linens in my office, if you can call it an office. And that's how I, uh, that's how I operated. Now I'm looking at, you know, talking to accountants and lawyers and, and P&Ls and it's a different world, different eyes, different everything. Um, obviously I'm a lot more confident now. I feel like I know what I am, what I need, what you kind of need to succeed to some degree. Obviously you never know, but, um, I feel like if I fail, I don't know what I'd do next. Oh, I wouldn't man. be able to reinvent myself, that's for sure. Yeah. It's tough. I don't know what, what I would what else I could do other than what I do. I'll give you a quick story whether you want to hear it or not. So Great. Uh, you know, I told you I'm a third generation restaurateur and uh, my father was I grew up pretty uh, you know, upper middle class and my father was very successful in the food business. So it was easy for me to be like, Oh, I want to open up a restaurant or something like that. When I went to FIU, my dad lost his business. Mm-hmm. And basically I was naive. I was 18 thinking like either A, maybe I can inherit this business, which was not even a possibility, or I just thought it'd become easy to me. And all of a sudden it went from, you know, kind of my parents giving me kind of whatever I needed to the next day it was, everything was gone. Mm. And uh, I realized quick that every day you better work like it's your last day because tomorrow it might be gone. And that was probably the biggest turning point in my entire life because I'm never satisfied in anything I do. I'm constantly doing this like I'm scared. Um, and if you tell me, oh, you gave me a compliment, oh, it's great or it's great or you love this or love that, I only focus on the things that possibly went wrong. 
I can't even appreciate you saying a well, nice compliment to me. I'm just looking at it like, hey, did you eat that whole key lime pie I gave you, or did you leave a piece out because maybe it was overcooked or undercooked or this or that? Well, so cool, there's man. a level Jeez. of uh, uncomfortable because of that story that's changed my life, which is probably the reason why I'm standing here, sitting here, and talking to you, as opposed to you know not being in this position. Well, I think fear is like a big motivator. Huge. I feel like. We gamble a lot in the restaurant game. I mean, every restaurant is a gamble because, like you said, you could have the best food. Everything could be the best, and no one can come. It's just like part of the restaurant world. You could fucking do everything perfect, and no one's going to come. It's We've talked about many restaurants that are great and fail. And they fucking fail. Yeah. So it's like it's a gamble, and living in that world of fear, like, you know, sometimes it really fuck for me personally, it fucks me a lot. But of course. You know, like you would wake up you don't sleep. night three thirty in the morning. Every night, like, I still do that every night. Deads. You know, like and that, it used to be the walk-in. Like I used to have like bad dreams about the walk-in. <laughs> like that, I would like organize a walk-in. I'd walk out, walk back in. It was all fucked again. <laughs> and it would just wake me up in the fucking middle. And now it's just like, yeah, it's like paperwork and fucking budgets, the lights flickering and the fucking hood not working and all this shit. That and by the way, that happens every day. Every day, and that you know it's interesting because. From one restaurant to the second one to the third one to the fourth one, my reaction has changed so much because it's like, chef, the lights are flickering. And I'm like, yeah. That's going to happen. <laughs> I see it. I see it. Well, what do we do? Right? Call the electrician tomorrow and have him come fucking fix or it. Or right now while yeah. you're talking to me. Or for right now, if he's not going to come, just turn him off. I don't fucking know. But it's like before it was like the end of the world. Now I've learned how to take it in stride. You know what's funny about restaurants? I'm like, you know, my, my wife will laugh at me. I am the most unhandy man person oh, in the God, fucking world. I am fucking terrible but at it. But when it comes to restaurants, somehow I figure shit out. Like, I don't do it anymore because, thank God, I'm the luxury that I can afford to pay someone who's right. much better than me. But, like, if a toilet broke, I'll figure it out. If you ask me to, like, fucking flush a toilet in my house, I don't even know how to flush a toilet. But in the restaurant, my brain goes a different way, and it's like money, business, and I end up yeah. fucking fixing uh, the flex capacitor. The flux capacitor. Is it the flex or flux? I'm not sure. No, flux. Flux. So we have a really, it's, I don't know, it's an uncomfortable topic uh, that was brought up on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In the last 40 days. And we can go ahead and bring up who, was it, was it at Fat Girl Hedonist? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And she, uh, her spicy hot take was um, that. Sweet potato fries are garbage. Are garbage. In general. In general. Okay. That was her take. And then, so I responded, I 100% support this statement. Right? <laughs> okay. And, no, because I do. And um, and then Burger Beast was obviously very upset. And he said that. I was dead to him. <laughs> <laughs> that is but, what he said. But, yeah, no. He also said you're also. So I think he has, like, a list of people who are dead to him. No, I, mean, I think <laughs> she was probably number one. Oh, there you go. I was also oh, dead. He's also, like, the nicest guy in the world, so it's pretty hard to be. <laughs> to some, not to everyone. Like, yeah. I love, he's the best. But um, not everyone would have the same oh, okay. reaction oh, I don't know. as I've only two. had positive, but, yeah. Yeah, I know. He's amazing. So then you chimed in. And I did. You, you disagreed with me. I just said you're incorrect. Well, okay. And then, and then you actually serve sweet potato fries. Yeah, you want my opinion on them? Yeah, no, I mean, we're just, we're talking about sweet potato fries. I want to know what everyone thinks because me personally, and this is funny because every time I go to your restaurant, they're like, you want 50 50 fries? I'm like, yeah, why not? And I don't fucking know why I'd say yes. Do you eat but the I, sweet potato fries when you get the 50 50? Yes. Oh, okay. And I still, the whole time, I'm like, why didn't I even fucking get these? What's things? your problem with them? I just don't like them. Yeah, people love sweet potato fries. That's, well, that's why the thing, and i tell you what, the biggest secret we did at Local was everywhere you go, they upcharge for sweet potato fries. 
And what I did was not only did I not upcharge, I put them together and then I gave them its own sauce. Yeah. And that's why people really went over their nuts over at Lookout. Do I love them? My wife loves them. They went over their nuts. Look at that. I don't know that I've ever heard that. No, nah, it's a first. This is a whole uh, podcast first right now. People like sweet potato fries. I, I, don't, I don't have anything against them. Nick? I don't know if I necessarily order them. But I like them. I don't know. You like them. them. Yeah. I, th- I think uh, I think we should poll this on Twitter and see what where we're we going to do a Twitter poll. We're going to do a Twitter and, poll. And is it just, is that the poll? Are sweet potato fries garbage? No, like. What are you, you dipping them in? No, I mean, I don't. Listen. Okay. Let me preface this. to do like let fry with no this dip? whole thing. I don't like french fries. Okay, well, then oh, well. There's, there's a starting point that I'm should have probably saying, been. I'm just saying, I like some certain French fries. I'm not a big French fry fan. Okay. Certain fries I like. Checkers fries. Amazing. <laughs> sure. They're ama- no, checkers fries are on another. As far as drive through fries go, pretty good. No, overall, overall. Do you eat fast food? Yeah, of course I do. Yeah. What does that mean? Because I'm, um, you know, everybody's got their battles that they fight, and I know you have a lot of battles that you decide to take on, and, and that's good. It's a good thing. Okay. But one of the, the one battle that I've taken on when I open locale that uh, I still do now is, unless I have to, i.e. a phone, a car, or something like that, I really don't like supporting anybody that's not in the same position I am. Obviously, it happens. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. I mean, I'm not saying, like, I don't hit up fast food all the time. I'm just not that kind of person that when people are like, oh, fast food is garbage. I'm like, I don't know. I mean, listen, the Crunchwrap Supreme is a thing of engineering genius. The what? Crunchwrap Supreme from Taco Bell. Oh, yeah, I didn't even know what that was. It's right, a yeah, cr- it's, yeah, you can explain the Yeah, so ba- basically it's a hard shell taco that's flat that they have, um, they you know, the meat and then the lettuce and the cheese and the so tomatoes. So glad I'm important enough that we're talking about Taco Bell and tacos. Then, yeah, listen, fucking. we always – and then so then they take this and then they take a large flour tortilla and they wrap it around it and then they sear it so it looks like a UFO. Listen, I, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just, I just explaining it. what it is. Let me finish. So basically the reason why it's engineering genius is because you can drive in your car, right, eat this, and it doesn't go everywhere. It's fucking genius. Because yeah, a scientist invented it in Salina, Kansas. Whatever. And freaking. There is uh, science. Yeah. Yes, she's there. Yeah, yeah, Scientist yeah. in yeah. Salina. Yeah, well, and they invented are- it so that your organ, your freaking brain, go, ding, 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 this tastes good. Instead of Mike in the kitchen freaking sweating his ass off oh, to make you're it. Totally dead. No, he's, he's, you're talking I, more you like your the battles, logistical I got mine. issue. Uh, what? You're talking more like the physical. Yeah, the fit, like the fit, the, the ergonomics. I get that part. That's because they paid scientists to freaking uh, do this. Well, what if it was a guy like me just coming up with a bunch of shit? Yeah, but where's that money going? Is that scientist making the money or is some big fucking corporation who decides, oh, you know, man. who we runs really America? struck a fucking nerve here, I and I you, like it. This is my battle that I choose. My wife, because I have a you know three-year-old kid, sometimes will end up getting fast food. She has to hide it from me. I'll go in her car, and if I smell fast food, we fight. And she oh, knows man. that she can't. Like, I've found receipts in the trash before of, like, fast food, and it's a, it's a battle. So no fast food. I haven't had fast food. Do you consider only- Shake Shack fast food? This is a good question. Like, where's um, the line? It's a good question. The I answer know. is the answer is I do, but Ooh. I but I don't disrespect it because you know it started from a place where Danny Meyer was what we are and, right. and evolved, and I don't I don't hate him for growing. What um, if what if like someone came to you and said we want to open up fifty locales? Yeah, so I'm not saying that never, never, never. But I've had those opportunities, and I've definitely gone the other way. The smartest business deal for me to do is to open up 50 locales or 50 cushions. Well, that's why I'm asking. And I choose – I mean, if you look at my project list of what's going on next, even though you asked and I didn't talk about it. I know. It's 
five more unique different concepts with different names and different playlists and different menus and different everything because I don't want to sit, even though I just said that I sit there and talk to accountants and lawyers all day, I don't want that to be my job. It's looking at one restaurant saying, oh, the sales on this one is higher than this one. And this one. No, I want to fucking be authentic. I want there to be heart and soul. I, I want to be able to touch that and have have authenticity to it. Right. And um, I'm not saying it'll never, ever happen, but it's the opportunity to come many times and I've passed it down many times. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. I didn't know you hated fast food so much. Hate it. I mean, the only exception to the rule would be on a road trip, you know, hurricane, the last hurricane, I ended up in New Orleans and I was in the middle of Gainesville. And even then, I think I found a, honestly, a little taco place that I, that I found. But if I'm on the road, maybe. What about Krispy Kreme? So Krispy Kreme. Um, I'm sorry. I, I like love, where this is going. Here's I the love Krispy Kreme. So I grew up in a Dunkin' Donuts, so I, know, I hate yeah. donuts. Oh, um, that makes total sense. I don't hate them as much anymore, but I went through a long period. My wife is infatuated with Krispy Kreme. So oh. I do buy Krispy Kreme for my wife for like her birthday or things like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, Krispy Kreme is happy. like, is, is the donut, the tops. But they still do things right. Krispy I mean, Kreme? Yeah, they still make yeah. their donuts fresh, right? I mean, yeah. I don't even know. To be Listen, honest when the lights on. Seems like it's fresh. When the lights on and the little conveyor belt's gone, it's a thing of magic. Yeah. So, so it sounds like the beef is really not so much with fast food as it is with bad food. No, 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 I don't no, have a no. I don't problem with uh, fast food. I have problems with big corporations. Okay. Uh, uh, that, that's my thing. Like I said, unless it's a car or a phone or something that I can't buy a local car. What else grinds your gears, Matt? Come on, let me know. Um, honestly, the thing that pisses me off more is people who don't know shit about restaurants opening oh, up restaurants man. and taking up leases and but overpaying for shit. And so it makes our rents go up so we can't find fucking great restaurant spaces. Yeah. That's what pisses me off the most. That's so accurate. But I, I also think that that adds into – listen, restaurants are – incredibly risky it's a gamble just like any small business thing you know um but like there's a lot of times that i walk into restaurants and i'm like this restaurant is the reason why the failure rate is 90 percent in the first 12 months but it's also the reason why it's harder for me and you to to to, to be successful i know i know what i'm trying to say is i agree with that what i'm trying to say is everyone's like you know the failure rate's 90%. It's just because so many people are like, well, I like to cook at home. Like, well, then stay cooking at home. Yeah. It's totally different. It's like, you know, I like I like to put on a nice party. I'm like, then get, keep on putting I'm sure parties. you get this every day, but I always get the, oh, my my son, my brother, my dad, someone's open a restaurant, and yeah. I, I always say, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. No, mine is always like, you know what, my, my nephew wants to be a chef. I'm like, yeah. you know what, let me recommend this. I was like, tell your nephew to go work in a restaurant for two weeks. He can try to make minimum wage. I tell him to do it for free, right? Go do it for free. If you like to get beat up like that for yeah. two weeks, then stick with it. If not, then don't fucking the do it. The reality is this is all I knew, and I'm too dumb to do anything else. So this is what I did, and this is right. how I ended up. But I've been doing this since I was born. I mean, this is yeah. literally. Uh, I, don't, I don't have that same story. Like, I, love, I loved food. For me, it was like the atmosphere of a restaurant was, like, so addicting to me. And honestly, like, the the – those the vices that came along. This was very early, though. The vices that came along with being a part of a restaurant when you're 19. You were lucky enough to work in good kitchens too, though. Yeah, but even before that, when I worked at an Applebee's, right? right? When like when I was in college, like the shit that we did there, like I was like, this is so much fun. I want right. to do this forever. And you're just like, then you start working in real kitchens and people throwing pans at you and shit. And you're like, all right, this is different. Like <laughs> shit's changed. Right. So, I mean, I think everyone falls into the business differently and that, like for different reasons. For me, it was definitely because. I, I never felt more at home anywhere else other than a restaurant. 
even now, like when I go into other people's restaurants that are good restaurants, I'm like, oh, this feels good. Yeah, like yeah. This, that kind of like atmosphere and the experience and the whole thing, like, but that's why I fucking hate Uber Eats and I fucking hate Postmates and I fucking hate all those things because they're, all they're doing is taking away from our experience. Because we're here trying to provide a, an experience for someone. It's not just, yes, the food is supposed to be good, the service is supposed to be good, but it's all encompassing. It's like from your mural in the bathroom, right, to, I mean, just the amount of time and effort we exude in building out a space and the way it's supposed to function. That's all part of the experience. So all we're doing now with the new, like all these new things is taking that away. And now you're putting our, like a lot of our work in a fucking brown box yeah. for some Buddy. Which, by the way, is not going to taste the same. And which, by the way, uh, I mean, listen, it's the driver's be, probably eating those sweet potato fries and out of your box. It's not if you staple the bag. And if, um, you know, like, I get it. You're home smoking a bowl. You don't want to move. That's fine. Order Domino's, bro. Like, you know, like, just stay away from Uber Eats. Order Domino's. Order Pop John. I don't Can know. Can it be, like, Miami's best or someone else? Does it have to be Domino's? I'm sorry. I really like the, the Hawaiian pizza from Domino's. See, I'm, I, I can't. just can't do it. I won't even eat the fucking pizza if it's from from a Domino's or a Little Caesar and shit. I can't eat it. Man, I won't this eat is it. aggressive this is serious. I, I love it. it. I feel like there's a whole other episode. This is just like, there was one so time. There was one time that uh, we had a kid's party at my house and I wasn't home. I came late and my wife must have ordered Domino's even though she knows or not even if it was Domino's, one of those. And a friend of mine or a cousin, I forgot who came over and was like, I'm a little disappointed. And I'm like, why? He's like, you have Domino's. He's like, I never would have thought I would have saw in your house. And I was embarrassed even though I had no call in the decision making. How do you feel about Coca-Cola? I'm not a big soda guy, so... Yeah, but this is, we're talking about big corporations and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, hey, Coke, what do you mean? Pepsi, Coca-Cola. I mean, that, like, all those big corporations are like... So my favorite Mestly, soda is, is Cola Champagne, and I love Vupinha. I mean, that's... No, I love Vupinha, too. Does um, anyone know, top of your head, how many grams of sugar there is in one can of Vupinha? Oh, like, sure, it's fucking ridiculous. 54. Yeah. Have you been to the uh, Cowie uh, factory? No. I have three times. No, <laughs> a lot of sugar there. I'm just, I, I it's Miami to the to its. And it's I just, to its I, I, I find it interesting though because like when I look at bigger corporations like Nestle, right, and like what they do, sim- simply for like bottled water, right. Mm-hmm. You know, like to me that there's more of a demon there than there is with fast food. You know, and th- I disagree. Oh man, like I, I would say that there. I'm weird that you're saying that because obesity is because of fast food. It's because well, they can't, be, af- they can't afford anything else. Absolutely, It's easy, cheap, and fast. So that's what's happening that's in our country. Also, but that, a lot of that has to do with the way that we've structured the government and how we regulate farms and food, period. Yeah, well, I agree. That's why I don't want to support them. Yeah. Because who's, who's lobbying those but, dollars? It's fucking the billionaires, the CEOs of McDonald's, Burger King, and all that shit. I, but I think it goes deeper. And I think, of course I think it goes if, deeper. I think if you were to look at like soda companies, and like Nestle is a really good one, just like all those companies, they're all in the same bag. I'm not saying that, like, fast food is good by any means. I get it. Uh, I'm saying that they're all bad. You know what I mean? I think that they all have, like, they're all, in a way, just like what they do to the beef industry. I mean, you know. Just to answer your question, I don't drink Coke or Pepsi either. Such a jerk. (laughs) (laughs) But what they do to the the beef industry, you that has has a burger spot. Sure. I mean, they they crushed the beef industry. So, I don't know how much you know about, like, when we were first up in Locale, and I don't want to be on the record saying this, but I want to say we were the first people in Miami to have local grass-fed beef. Mm-hmm. The reason why I'm confident in saying we're the first, even though I'm not 100% sure, it took me two years to find someone in Florida that did local grass-fed or did grass-fed beef. Yeah, like Florida beef. Florida grass-fed beef. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. took me two years. This was in 2009 I started or whatever. And when I first got my deliveries for the first three years that we were open at Locale, 
if you saw how I got deliveries, you would think they were selling like bootleg DVDs out of the fucking back of the truck because the guy would drive from Ocala, give me the whole fucking cow, drive down in the back of his truck and like give me bags. Like it looked like we were doing illegal fucking shakedowns. Now you can get it from anywhere in the world. I mean, anywhere in Florida, and it's easy. But if you put that extra effort and energy, which I did, it worked. And I had a great partnership because of it. And I helped the local farm, and I was really happy about that. I mean, it's there. Buying locally sourced. Yeah, obviously, it's a great thing. You know. Beef, anything. People don't understand how much that helps your own economy. Like, just. They don't understand. Like, I. That's why you should eat Miami's best pizza instead of Domino's. Listen. <laughs> or, or, or any other, uh, insert any local pizza place. I do eat a lot of local pizza, but I do think that there's a place for Domino's pizza also. But just to go back to something you said earlier. In Selena, you, Kansas. You were talking about the here. way that the government tips the scales this way or that oh, way. Here comes Nick. No, Come on like, in. Like what? I'm ready. I'm just interested to know, like, in in your description of the thing, like, government never came up as the villain, but, like, Kawi distributes on, like, four continents. There's no way they're not spending some money lobbying themselves. No, they're like, not. Believe me, they're not. Have you been there? It, it, I could go there and it wouldn't have any bearing on whether they're Believe spending me, money Believe me, if you went there, like, you would 100% know that there is no bearing to what you're saying. They are 100% local Miami and but it's I, a family-run business. It's, and, uh, that's fine, but I know plenty of family-run businesses that are part. There are members and organizations that lobby. Like for, they don't know. I get it. There's people. I, I know people who have 10 cigar rollers who they pay cents an hour in Nicaragua and live in two-bedroom homes in Doral. And because they need to to survive, I mean, that's just part of what you do. But you're do. talking about importing something from a different country. Cowie's made in Miami. So, no, I understand. Or, or you know, insert but anything. They're, but, but they're dealing with regulation locally. No, but you're saying lobbying. Yeah, lobbying. So I, if, mean, fuck, I have no so idea. If, Maybe so you're, if you're fucking right. To, if you're distributing to New York and you're Cowie, you'd be insane not to throw 25 bucks or whatever you can afford at somebody who's regulating you out of existence sure, in no. a big market because Hispanics are concentrated in big markets in New York, LA, Chicago. And these are places where companies like Kawi, however small they are, like at some point government pushes them into the position where they need to be lobbying. Maybe you're right. I, I honestly I mean, don't know. Maybe I'm taking I, I Cowie as a... I don't know about them in particular. I'm just saying that there's not really, I don't know that there's a correlation between how small you are and whether you're involved in lobbying. I think the that's issue... True. The issue is more like, and let's talk about the bigger corporations, like they're looking out for themselves because that's what they're supposed to do. Mm. The issue is the people who are supposed to be accountable to you. Pepsi's not accountable to you, but your elected officials that are tipping the scales in favor of the Pepsi's and the Monsanto's and the Fanghul's and whoever else, they're the ones who, it seems to me, are the villains in this story because can you you blame these other people for taking advantage of whatever they're able to do? I think that there's corruption on every level here. I just don't think it's corrupt for PepsiCo to lobby on its behalf and seek out advantages through government. What's corrupt is because they're accountable to themselves and it's their job to do that. It's the government's job to stop them short of obtaining that advantage at your expense and your expense. I think the bigger yeah, issue but the is... the problem is the, the government's not... I mean, when your hands are getting greased there, <laughs> the government's not going to do that. I mean, the elected officials right, that were no, elected yeah, to do that... But I, if, but, not, but your I'd point say, is that, the, that we should. That it's not a surprise that they're corrupt. Oh, right. I'm saying that's where the corruption is. I don't think that it's corrupt... For these big corporations to seek that out, that's not where the corruption is because that's what they're supposed to do. Can we You're talk about why the pricing at Chugs is so cheap? Oh, God. that's what I really want to talk about. It. Jeez. It's Let's way too talk cheap. About it. I, way too know, cheap. But that's 
It's a concept thing. I, I listen as a We've consumer. I appreciate it. No, it's not. But I told that. you, I overorder every time I go there, thinking it's going to be small portions, but and I, then I I'd like to spend hear more $10. about because one of the things that you talk about is that you get complaints about that it's not because people are used to certain product category but being priced lower. Really good point. So that's a good point. Like, flesh that out because I think it'd be interesting to hear from somebody because uh, people might hear you say that and think like, oh yeah, it's his restaurant. Obviously, he thinks that it's worth two or three times what they're charging for it because he thinks uh, it's mean, so great. Listen, I, the first day... I'd like to hear from you. First, like, you go the, and you eat there, the and what's your experience with it? The first day Matt came to Chugs, he was just like, why the fuck is this so cheap? And I'm just like, it's not... I mean, it's just... Because you're, because you're working your ass off. I saw you working in your ass off in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. I see everybody, you know, busting their butt, and it's like my bill was like $8, and I'm like, this is way... You guys are doing way too much work. <laughs> You know, I want because I want you to succeed. That's that's the I most know, reason. I, I was I, appreciate that. I was like, shit. I mean, I don't know what your food cost in that place is, but no matter what, it was it too was, high. It was <laughs> it was cheap, and uh, you know the difference. I think that I've heard in the past is he's talking about croquetas and things that are kind of ingrained right. in your brain that are a little bit more difficult. But a pancake can be three dollars or it could be fifteen dollars, depending if you're an IHOP or you're at a fancy brunch and fucking you know I fucking, wherever. I can't fucking stand these like places. That serve you a pancake for like eighteen dollars. It just doesn't make any fucking sense to me. I want to go back to the pancake real quick. So after I ate that $6. pancake, yeah, it's really cheap. Now I'm putting the syrup on the bottom, and I've never done that. And it, I really was a big aha it's moment. It's a fucking for me. game changer. It really was, and it's got to be warm too. And it's I, not, yeah. it's cold. It doesn't make any fucking sense. Warm syrup on the bottom. That's the move. That's the move because as you cut the pancake, I'm the guy. As a kid, I thought the whole thing was flawed, right? What's going on? No, we're going to fix your mic. Soon. What's going on with my mic? Am no, I am I fucking this up again? No, you've been twisting yourself. But that's fine. You're comfortable. All right. Good. Jesus Christ. Um, put your pants back on, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's getting a little weird. The uh, As a child, when I would go to IHOP, I thought the whole system was flawed because I would have to cut said pancake. Right, and how, then I how old are you when you're thinking to yourself, "This system is flawed"? No, pretty young. That's <laughs> part of the problem. And I was getting the syrup and then strategically placing it in the middle of all the cuts. For and I was like, "This is fine, but it seems inefficient." If how about you just, end up pouring more syrup every single time you take a bite? You have to pour more syrup, I know, more syrup, more syrup, which I always do, and now I don't have to because right. of you. It's inefficient. When you just put it at the bottom, and when you cut it, the fucking syrup <laughs> is there. It's, it's genius, Mike. But some people... If you die tomorrow, I just want them to be in, I, like... That's where my, I want On my tombstone, yes. syrup on the bottom, yes. guys. Syrup I mean, on the bottom. If you contribute anything to Miami, that's definitely number one on my list. <laughs> the, um... The... I, I like the pancake. You like the pancake? I was blown away, actually, how good Thanks. it was. I appreciate that. And I don't even... I ordered an egg salad sandwich I couldn't eat because the pancake was fucking twenty pounds and four dollars. That's the it's one. Six dollars, five ninety nine. Listen, you. after this interview, uh, all the prices are going to go up. So <laughs> I highly recommend people eating now. No, so. I mean, you know, the idea behind that concept was to be a neighborhood spot. You know, like, yeah, but let's go back to the first conversation. That neighborhood spot isn't Coconut Grove. That rent's going to go from X to, to triple X. No, but the rent then, hasn't done that yet. And well, you've only been there for one, three months. Will, four months. How long have you been? Six. What, less than a year, I'm saying. Yeah, no, I know. I'm just saying, like, but also, oh, look, good point. Richard Hales, owner of Sakai Kitchen, sure. Black Brick. Our friend. Our friend. Um, I remember him telling me, and I, you know, I learned a lot from Richard in the short time that I worked for him. Because he was just very, like, honest. And he, I remember him saying, he's like, at Sakaya, we opened up with a certain price point because I wanted to get them in. And then after that, I raised prices. Because now we had them. And now I know, like, that the concept is viable. The food is good. 
So now I can start to put more pressure and like really fair enough. Really like drive in more. And I think that has to do with like a lot of things. I mean, all I'm saying is you could start them a little bit more and then have the same philosophy. Yeah, maybe. All right. So I'm going to look out for you here because I know you got to be somewhere at seven. Oh, whatever. Okay. Well, we're hanging out. What time? In any case, yeah, it's uh, you got 45 minutes. Okay. So how about if we get into is there anything that we haven't touched on that you came in like? I want to make sure we talk about. It. I Keep thought you were going to ask can... questions, so I didn't know. Uh, no, I didn't have any thoughts. We're asking questions. We're no, asking... I mean, yeah, like more. Yeah, specific. like for example, uh, how many times I jerk off a day? About, or what? Yeah, like what about Domino's? <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I didn't. <laughs> well, know by that. the way, can I tell you something? My first job was at Domino's. Oh, oh yeah. So that's actually funny. I even I kind of blocked wow. that out of my head, but yeah, that was my first job. Wow. First one. Ever? First job that wasn't like working in the family, you know, uh, businesses. Mm-hmm. I was uh, in ninth grade, and I could walk to the Domino's and I made pizzas. Mm-hmm. I worked at Winn Dixie. You got any? Uh, what was your first job? Quiznos. Really? Yeah. Well, my dad owned uh, a couple of Quiznos with, oh, a, yeah? with a high school friend of his. Man, so I, know, used I, to, I, I used to dress up as a giant inflatable soda in downtown. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any picture of uh, like? Oh, there are. That? Yeah, I'll have. Oh, oh, we'll I got post it. it. We'll post we it to the to post that on podcast. The, yeah. On the PCP. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I had a, it was a giant inflatable soda, and so I ended up being like roughly nine feet tall. And I had a, a really hot motor attached to a fanny pack on my waist, and it just kept the thing inflated. Uh, and then I would run around downtown and hand out coupons. And I remember once uh, somebody saw an opportunity to tackle somebody without the person being hurt because they were inside of a bubble. Basically. That's amazing. Uh, That's and such I was, a good story. I was, like, I was on a bike, and he like jumped off his bike, shoved me into an ATM, and kept going. <laughs> and it was pretty awesome. It was pretty great. What uh, people did that. We're now ten years in. What is like? If you were to assess Miami dining 10 years ago to now, what are some things that you noticed? So I've heard you talk now that I get told you, and Nick, I, you're my first podcast I ever listened to. And now man, I've I listened love to, popping I think, your cherry, man. So, uh, well, so I know your opinions on this stuff. Um, you're younger than me, so I, I date it back a little bit further. I think it's all, it's all relative to, you know, your experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, Miami's, I think, with the main switch is that it's gone from the beach to the mainland. Thank God. That, I think, has been the biggest in the last 10 years, 15, whatever it is. Um, but I feel like there's still a lot of room. There's still a lot of room. I feel like we need more use out there putting their heart in the plate and doing it. Um, yeah. I don't know if it's going to work. It's hard. But mm-hmm. uh, I would like more of those. Because if you ask me what my favorite 10 restaurants are right now, they're probably the same 10 restaurants that they were five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, give or take a few. But... Uh, I don't feel like we're getting the influx of local homegrown talents doing it on a big enough scale. And I know you disagree. I know you think it's going up. Mm-hmm. And it is going up, but I feel like we should be moving faster. We're a real city now. Yeah. And, well, and, well, I mean, I do I, – I can agree and disagree. And there, what I do agree with is that, yeah, there needs to be more. I, I think that there needs to be more. I think there needs to be more people willing to – put themselves out there and not hide behind a cuisine or concept. Does it make sense? Yeah. Like, you know, like, um, I don't know, like this is a new Italian restaurant. Like, I don't know. I want to, I want a restaurant by X person, Sure. you know, or also at the same time, like why, why so often are we so scared to be where we're from? Does it make sense? Like we are, we are, um, we are in Miami. Let's stop trying to be like we're from somewhere else. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's like my biggest gripe always. And that's why, for me, Ariet is like it represents the part of Miami that I I love dearly, you know, and it's the part of Miami that I I feel like is the most who I am, you know, and that's what that restaurant represents to me. So 
Well, it doesn't represent Miami. It represents you, and you're from Miami, sure. so it represents Miami through that. Yeah, yeah. Because it's through your experiences and 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 and, and your look on it. Right. Um, I I also think that the reason why it can't grow too quickly there's a, a couple reasons. I mean, because of those people that don't know what they're doing, they're pricing the market so high, it's right. so difficult to open a restaurant. Yeah, you're, it's 100 percent true. And then the other part is like. Are the diners completely ready? So here's the difference. So you're, you you come from a more chef-driven background yeah. than I do, and uh, and there's no question I appreciate those just as much, if not more. Uh, but it doesn't have to be all about the, the the food on the plate. As you know, I'm more of a back of the – I mean, front of the house restaurant tour guy. Yeah. Mine is in the dining room. Mine's in the art. Mine's in the creativity. Mine's in the little touches, not as much as – you know, putting bananas on a on, on rice. I like it, that. It, it goes in different ways. That's new. Apparently, and, um, new, now more people are doing that, and no one's ever seen it. So again, going back to Hialeah, you know, I, they forget about the food, even though it is a Jewish Cuban f- uh, fusion in, in La Cocina. You know, we have the Juban and you know pastrami croquetas and things like that. I love that. At the end of the day, it's it's the vibe and the feel when you go in there. Same thing with Spillover. I mean, I don't know when this is going to air, but I'm going to be starting uh, Miami's first Hall of Fame. So the hallway at Spillover is going to be a Miami Hall of Fame, and it doesn't have to be a musician. or It's going to be the whole gambit of what makes Miami great. And I know we haven't talked about this, but I don't know who Captain Cush is, but whoever he is, and if you really know the goal of what he's trying to do, if you follow him on Instagram or whatever, all he's doing is trying to show how great Miami is. Yeah. So I'm not from Miami which means I look at Miami from a different lens than you do and, and you do. I see things that I appreciate that I didn't have that maybe you don't appreciate because you've seen it every day. Right. Hence, like, the beach. You know, how many times do you go to the beach? I mean, maybe you go a lot, but most people in Miami don't go to the beach because it's right fucking there. But if you go on vacation, you're looking for the beach. I see things like that in a lot of different ways. And uh, so I find a level of appreciation when it comes to Miami that I think a lot of people don't, and I really try to push that out in my restaurants. Um and as you see the decor and the vibe and the creativity, that's a big part of it. Yeah. I. Well, I think that that might be one of the reasons why we got along so well so quickly is because you do show a lot of love for the city. And I'm, I'm so – and it's something that I'm, like, super adamant about is just stop trying to be someone you're not. You know, like, don't be ashamed of, like, where we're from. This city is fucking amazing. Yeah, I'm going to tell you, since you guys obviously don't know the Captain Cush story, I'm going to tell you the, the oh, origins man. of the Captain Cush story. Please. Do we have enough time here? I don't yeah, know. no. So uh, Captain Cush uh, was a corporate businessman who found this suitcase, Pulp Fiction style, that blew, you know, was, was glowing and beaming. The blunted bandits from California, he stole his uh, mojo that was in the suitcase. Okay. So the only way Captain Cush can ever leave Miami is by showcasing to the citizens of Miami that it's the greatest city in the world. So if you look at his Instagram, he goes to places, it doesn't have to be food, it could be anything, that shows what makes Miami authentic, different, and unique. And if you notice, I don't go to my own places there. I go to other people's places, and it could be our betters because it's a hundred years old and they've been doing it, and it's or whatever, or it could be something new and cool and cute. Yes, sorry. What's up? No, we were just oh, you're just nothing. Okay. <laughs> His face. <laughs> go. It's just so professional. <laughs> oh man, I've never been that. Like the Rich Carlton in here. It is your first podcast, I can see how. Yeah, that is true. This happens in every podcast. Right, every podcast does it more or less like this. Yeah. So, um, Captain Cush is actually, his motto, his goal is to really show Miami how great it is. And uh, if you follow Captain Cush, that means you love Miami because you're finding things that you may not have known existed. 
So here's a so two questions. Number yep. one, how do people find Captain Kush? Like on Instagram, you mean? Yeah, yeah. or where uh, else? Captain Kush three hundred five. Okay, and with then a K. Captain with a K. Captain with a K. Captain with a K. And then, I'm a, to the extent that you've heard from Captain Kush. Sure, yeah. <laughs> so he's going to places uh, other than your places. Correct. Uh, why doesn't he? Why doesn't he go to yours? Because I don't want it to be about me. Yeah, I want it to be what about Miami. That, but. Okay. I don't want well, to you be You don't biased. know who Captain Kush is? It's a very strange we, I mean, I don't know. I know who he is. We've just never been in the same room together. But I don't know who he is. It's I really, mean, I know who he is. I, we need to, you know, we'll we'll convene at another time about how to come up with a better cover story here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe you need to have a feud with Captain Kush, and that's why he's avoiding your places. Yeah, maybe. No, no I just, I'm authentic, and I want it to be, I don't want it to look like I'm doing some kind of marketing sure. thing. Even though I have stickers and, and lighters and stuff like that, it's not about no. me my restaurants. It's just about having fun and spreading the word of Miami. So the question was going to be, in the course of Captain Kush's adventures, has he found something that was surprising to him that he didn't know before? About Miami? Yeah. Let me tell you something. When, I, when Captain Kush goes out, it's the greatest day ever because he basically goes to 10 places in one day, and he goes in and out. Uh-huh. At and super he, speed. At super speed, yeah. yeah. And uh, he gets to see 10 cool places in one day. Yeah. And there's a lot of places, again, I'm just... Throw out whatever you yeah. know, Mister Neon and Hialeah, any anything that's that's cool and unique. You might love it, or go back to Arba. You might love it or hate it or whatever it is. But if it's your favorite, you might not go there a lot. Listen, Ariet, I love Ariet. I come here three times a year, four times a year. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's gonna be your favorite restaurant in the world. It doesn't mean you go there all the time. Yeah. So when I, when Captain Kush happens, I get to see through his eyes. <laughs> yeah. He tells you all about it. He tells yeah. me all about it. Yeah. Um, Even though he didn't like you. Oh, this cool place. No, he likes me. He just. He knows that uh, I have zero ego. So. You had a weird friendship. Yeah. It's a weird thing. <laughs> so, I see what's uh, happening. So we'll wind down here and start with uh, with our parting recommendations. Oh, man. Part- I, we'll, we'll, let, uh, we'll let Matt start. Yeah. With something other than recommending Captain Kush. Yeah, oh, I actually um, came ready. Yeah, that part I did come ready for. Um, one, I want to reiterate that I came here wanting to sponsor. <laughs> did not want to do this. I have I to. I, I got to go to Nick on this. I have. I still have no idea why he, he didn't want your money. This is like I a, have no idea. I would have taken your money. Like, like I was trying to support you as another I, local I business. We, we, we all appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate I mean, I would have taken your money in a fucking heartbeat. All right, so I don't want to plug anything personally, but I want to set the record straight on some items here. Oh boy, oh, um, this is amazing. One hour, nineteen minutes, and forty-two seconds into your Danny oh, Surfer I interview, you said that Danny's playlist is the only playlist to rival your own. Wow. So personally, I take major offense to this. Uh, <laughs> I hand select every song in all my restaurants. I spend three hours a week tweaking those songs. Yeah, I have three playlists in Hialeah, two in Locale, one in Spillover, and two at Kush. And I have five playlists that are going for restaurants that don't even exist right now that I have ready to go. And it ranges from Bad Bunny to Oof. fucking the Eagles to fucking Paul Simon to whatever I, in, you could possibly imagine. In my, in my defense, I still... I have not been to La Cocina, so I don't know what the playlist is like. Well, there. like I said, playlist in La Cocina is very typical, Hialeah, Spanish, reggaeton, party, let's oh, dance and drink. Man. But you go to Stevens, and it's right next door. And let me tell you something. The people at Stevens don't know the music at La Cocina, and the people at La Cocina don't know oh, the music at play. Good, at, I like that. I'm into it. No right. wonder I've been to Stevens. Number two. Uh, another quote of yours, also in the Danny uh, Surfer oh, interview, man. I need to clear Going up. in on Danny Surfer right now. No, I love Danny. This is about no, you. No, it's no, not it's nothing to do with Danny. I love Danny. Uh, this is all about you. One hour, 29 minutes, and 18 seconds into that, quote from Michael, I am very big. Can you tell PD to shut up? Yeah. 
I am very big, unlike certain people in this city, about not poaching employees from other people. <laughs> I knew this was going to happen. I would never poach an employee from a friend I and didn't. someone I respect. I have If to you say respect I the people around you, then you do not poach an employee. End quote. Yeah, Michael true. then proclaimed to Danny that he does not poach staff. I do not. That was a direct quote. I did not. But he did poach my staff. I did not poach your staff. And he did not tell me. I had to find out from her. So I just want to set that record straight. Let me, if I may, I did not poach said staff member. One of my people did. Well, it's a representation of you. I had nothing you. to do with that. Then the food then that I had after, at Ariette that someone else cooked was really good, but not yours. It's true. And then after, I had that person apologize to you <laughs> after the fact for doing that. Did I not? No, you did. I did. I did. I did. Yes. Even because, though these aren't recommendations, these have been my favorite recommendations. Oh, man. Well, because uh, it's true. I have a serious fucking problem with poaching people that matter. That's a big part. Yeah, I, I went down this uh, when it was one restaurant and two. I, it was a really big deal to me, and I took it as a big personal offense. I really did, and uh, I would call people out on it. And, and, and similar to how you take on a lot of issues, I would take that issue as a level of respect. You should. Yeah. As I get, as we grow, and you know, now I have eight concepts. Uh, I don't have control over that because I don't. I, I, I can't handle. I don't no, know I what's happening out there. But you um, know, like I, I think there's. To let me be clear. I think if, like, let's say you have a GM at Cush, right? Yeah. And I walk in, and the GM is doing a great fucking job. And I'm I'm opening up a Chug Burger, right, which doesn't exist. It's not going to exist either. And uh, that person, that GM, would be perfect for that place. I would never go out of my way and be like, hey, let me offer you a job. And my, you know, Chug Burgers are us. I would never do that. Now, if there's like a server and they want to move up, that's different. Hey, do you mind if I offer this person a job? I just feel like when it's like a manager that you're a place is it's so difficult to find managers that care. And a lot of this stemmed from when my pastry chef got poached from me years ago by another hospitality group that's in our neighborhood. And I was very vocal about, you know, fuck them. They got all the fucking money in the world, right. et cetera, et cetera. And that's like, you know, when Ariat was like on its fucking last breath at that point. Sure. You take it very personally, yeah. Well, it, it felt like a personal attack on me. Like, kick the guy when he's fucking down. Fuck that dude. And so that's why, to me, it's a thing. But you're right. Like, as you grow. It's just harder. It's so, just It's harder to, it, like, I don't know. Like, I didn't even know that happened. I'm like, where right. did this person come from? So This what person I, is good at their job. And they're like, well. They work at Locale. I'm like, what do you mean this person works at Locale? This is a fucking problem. Trained by the best there. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so what we do now is I, I make business cards that say it's uh, now, you know, for interviews or whatever. And I just drop them. And I, don't, I have no shame in that whatsoever. It doesn't have my name on it. But if I have good service or a tip jar, I just fucking drop them. We're always hiring. I'm not poaching. If I ever poach, I always say if you're ever looking for a second job. Well, that's a good way to get him in. Then I have we're to say that your your employee, we were her second job. <laughs> I'm just saying we were her second job. So there's that. But is there anything else that you want to point out from past yeah, episodes? Yeah, I do. Uh, oh no, not from the past episodes. Oh, okay. I already told Nick about the Hialeah thing, but now that he said it was scripted, I'm okay with that. Um, <laughs> I just want to point out that uh, I've been very fortunate in my career, and I'm in a very uh, lucky place. But you know, as you know, this is a team thing, 100. percent and I have the greatest team around me. You know, you know my Lorries and my Zunis and, 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 and my whole team. the best. I have the greatest team around me, and I'm lucky enough. And the reason why, you know, when you're one restaurant, 
I have a lot of day one employees. So just to give you an example, my marketing director, day one employee. My accountant, in-house accountant, day one employee. Uh-huh. Uh, kitchen managers, day one employees. Uh, I have a table at Locale that actually has the high school pictures of all the day one employees, them. And if you look at it, most of them still work with us. Um, I just want to say that I have a great team, and uh, if anyone's you know ever out there, treat your people good because they're going to make or break your restaurant more than anything. And I've been very fortunate to be around really, 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 really great people. And last thing is I want to say is I'm very smart to know that I'm not the smartest guy in the room. Oh, yeah. And I'm very self-aware of that, so I put myself around people that are much better than me and make me look good. And so I feel like when you uh, when you hire people that are good at things that you're bad at, it makes you just incredibly better. And like not to be intimidated by that fact because there's like at all there's like so much there's so much shit that I that I suck at. So much stuff. I'm just terrible at it. So I've been fortunate, uh, and honestly, like the team, our overall team hasn't gotten. I feel really good up until the last like six months. We just hired really well. So I was reading a quote that actually I posted from someone else, I don't know, from like 10 years ago. Was like, to be a great team, be a great teammate. And that's like so important because if you you don't understand that it doesn't matter, you could be like the coach or you could be the quarterback or whatever, but if you're a shitty teammate, people are not going to give a fuck about you and they're not going to give a fuck about the team. So that's like uh, – it's huge to really care about the whole team aspect of it. Yeah, I take it to an extreme. Like, you know, going back to the restaurants that fail and stuff. And this is nothing wrong with people that do it. This is just the way I was – I do things. Uh, I can't, like, eat in my own restaurants unless it's like, you know, obviously I'm working or something like that. But if you tell me how many times I've gone to dinner at one of my restaurants, it's less than five. Yeah. And it's because I never – and it's, it's stupid because I should eat in my restaurants more even though I eat them in every day. Uh, I never want to be perceived as that – fucking asshole who's you know ordering and just looks like he's got the best life and hanging out when the reality is all i'm doing is fucking losing my hair and stressing every day that uh, i want to make this place the best and i care about my employees and i want them to do cool shit and i i have like a harder i have a hard time when i go eat somewhere because i just want i want to help like i want to get on the floor and i want to like today i went by chugs and i was like i just wanted to get a coffee and they were like in the weeds and i'm like all right i'm just running food busting tables sweeping Jumping on the line, made a couple sandwiches. It's just like I, it's almost impossible for me to like relax. Like, I can't. That's just, my, my, I, I don't. Yeah, I want, that's why I need to go. My mom is always like, "Let's have lunch." Yeah, never. I chug. No, mom. <laughs> they don't like, even if ask you me wanna anymore. Have lunch somewhere and me relax. Like that's not what we're gonna do. No. They'll go by themselves. My wife goes and needs to spill over every day, but I won't go with her unless we're you know like unless I'm working and I finish and I'm leaving. Why spill over specific? Spillover is like the best restaurant, man. It's no, the most like, underrated it, restaurant in Miami. But it really it's is. just. But why that one specifically? She just likes that one. It's the fucking. It's, you got the fountain view. Listen, it's the I, best I, menu. I like it too. I live down the street. I go all the time. Spillovers. It's awesome, man. It's yeah. it literally is the most underrated. If you didn't have to, cross I just wanted five to know streets, why she picked that one specifically. I mean, she eats at all of them, but uh, I, I because it's the most. Well, that's like, your, that's at, your like favorite. I don't know. It's your like, default. She loves oysters em- too, so em- she, I Emily guess we have goes, oysters there. Emily goes to uh, Chugs. I just feel like she likes that one better than all the other ones. That's why I'm asking. No, she loves oysters, so we have oysters there, and uh, she loves raw bar, and we have a raw bar there. And this was great. You're great, man. Do you have recommendations? I do. I have some recommendations. All right. I just don't remember them right now. But um, I, actually, I have a couple of food recommendations. Okay. Mm, Matt, I hear this because I need some new ones. Matt, well, Matt and I went to Hometown Barbecue. I thought it was amazing. That was very good. 
the company was 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 really good. Was I mean it was mediocre at best, but the food really brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> what a meal that was! Are we gonna do that again? Or yeah, yeah. Because we'll I texted again. you after, and then you didn't text me back. So I until thought that today, you I told you, I told you that I was fucking two you know, weeks like, later. He's like, oh, I just I got did. your text. I'm I like, did. bro. I'm terrible with text. Ask Nick. Yeah, he is. You see, I'm just terrible with it, man. You know, you don't have a phone. I do have a phone. I'm just. I have 74 unread texts right now. Fiance. No, 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 no. She's. You know, with her, you can figure it out. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not trying to sleep on the floor. You know, like that's just that's not a thing. So, um, so hometown barbecue. Hometown barbecue. All right, that was great. The food was amazing. I actually went back and I took them lunch a couple days after because they treated us. They treated us really nice. They treated us very that, nice. Yeah. And it was like, everything was good. Give me some more, because I actually, I feel like I need some new places. I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't go to anything new. Oh, I thought you said you had some recommendations. <laughs> yeah, I know, but it's not new. Like, oh, okay, I, I whatever. Would, it doesn't I would have do, to be new. And it, new, new could be new to me. Uh, Yeah. So, what else have I gone to recently? I heard this place, Nave, is really good. I don't know. Yeah. So, Nave's open. <laughs> People seem to like it. You went. What'd you think? I went. It was great, but I went for a fake night because you guys just threw tons of food at and us. And you know, I honestly feel like that was our worst service. Well, I'm sure it wasn't bad at all for us, but I'm sure it was because it was your first service. So it was no, it was our, it was our third mock service. Oh, so I was invited to the third one. Yeah, the no, the other one. Who was invited to the first one? Just like people that my my partners know. But I felt like that was our worst night the night. So the next restaurant, how do I get to the second one or the first one is what I want to know. That's all, man. trying to just, you know, move up in the world. I'd like to point out that all the restaurants that that he's opened, I've never been invited to any. I invited you to Stevens. You're right. He's right. He's right. I wanted to see if you remembered that. (laughs) Yeah, I remember that. Um, Yeah, that was our – I thought that was our worst service. Well, I mean, it was – first off, you weren't taking orders. You were just bringing food out. I know, and I didn't like that. So that's not real service. It's just impossible to pick up like 20 plates at one time of one thing. The food was great, and honestly, I had a shitload of notes for you that I thought you wanted, and then when you didn't ask me for them, <laughs> I had them for like another week, and then I deleted it because I had too many notes. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not. If he doesn't, if he didn't ask me, he don't care about it. So. No, I care. I care about your opinion. I don't remember. I don't care. Words. I don't really care about many people's opinions because everyone's got one. But but everything was good. Yeah, everything thank was good. You. I appreciate it. the the. I can't remember now, but the the pork cheek, uh, the pasta. What was it? The chicken liver. The chicken liver fucking pasta. Oh, that man. shit was the, that was so the best. Good. Can I talk about – it's not a recommendation. I just want to talk about a new program that we're doing at Area that I'm obsessed with. It's, kind of, it's kind of a recommendation. Right. Yeah, no, and I'm obsessed with it. Um, so we started doing this duck press experience yeah. at Area. Have I told you about this at all? You did, and I had a recommendation. for. Or I had one. I don't know if I told it to you, but tell me, and I'll tell you. Okay. In the course of explaining it, for people who don't know what that even is. I want to explain it. Yeah, okay. Let me explain it. So it's super old-school technique. That basically, they roast a duck whole and then table-side – they will butcher said duck. They process said duck. And then it's almost like this medieval-like press that it goes into, gold-plated, like very fancy, extra, sure. over the top. And, you know, you press the duck and then you get the juice, like marrow, blood, the whole nine. Um, and then with that, you make a sauce table side. And then it comes with a bunch of sides or whatever. So... Um, I wanted to do this in a very like Miami fashion, you know, so we take Rohan ducks. They're from Catskills, New York. It's a D'Artagnan product. It's a pro- the duck that I've served like always. Um, and we brine it for two days, dry age it for 20, and then we smoke it for 20 minutes. We always put like a light smoke on things because I want it to feel like Cajachina-ish. Yeah. And that always kind of reminds me of that. And then in the roasting process, we glaze it with reduced huarapo. 
that we reduce with bay leaf and thyme and some peppercorns. And then we just glaze it to give it like a nice like sugary outside. And then uh, we do this whole thing. So um, we butcher the duck. When we first get it, we just take the legs off. And then we turn that into duck confit. And then we make tamales with that. So basically, like if you and I were to sit down and order the duck press experience, it's 130 bucks for two people. That comes with the whole duck, but it's a three-course experience. So we each get a duck consomme with shaved black truffle and button mushrooms, table side, very nice and clean. We recommend people getting a couple appetizers. Um, obviously, I recommend the foie. It's more duck to go with the process. And then, you know, for the main course, you get presented a duck, and then I I am the only one that does it now. Um Table side come, we carve table side. The other person does it. What if you're, you're, not, you're at a Friendsgiving uh, I 86 it for the night. So I got to call you if I want this now? Usually, like the four that we've, the five that we've done, they've pre-reserved. Okay. So, we, so you we, pre-reserve them? Yeah. So we only do like a limited amount every night. How do you pre-reserve them? Online we or? Call. Okay. Right now it's calling. We so haven't, we can haven't Can I done, call you or do I have to call someone else? You have else to call the restaurants. Okay. Don't call me. Or can I call you? You can call me. That's what I'm asking. You can call me. But no, like, we haven't like PR'd any of this yet and we have it because I'm still working through it. Uh, but eventually we're going to have a link on the website that you can pre-reserve it like through an email, et cetera, et cetera, whatever. When we finish around me, I want to tell you something on that. Okay, the, great. Uh, so then we, we butcher this duck table side and then at that point the breasts go back to the kitchen and then... Uh, how, how we've changed it our way is we marinate uh, necks and livers and foie pieces and parts and stuff. And <laughs> what? What's happening? You want more water? Jeez. That was my international asshole sign. For oh, water. man. Yeah, but no. <laughs> and then we, we press this, and then we make the sauce table side. And at that point, you get uh, the duck tamales. You get creamed yuca. I mean, can I? You get. I can't have it tonight because you're going to a party. Yeah, I know. I'm not next? going to a party. I'm going to a fucking event. And then you get a green salad, and then you get the duck, and then sauce table side. It's been like a. I've had a lot of fun with this. Yeah, we've been preparing for this internally for six months. I did that in a restaurant in Montreal. And, oh, did you? And it was amazing. Somebody, somebody. T- That's funny that you mentioned that. So, um, wait, let me finish. So then dessert so then we incorporate a duck into the dessert also so we do a duck fat caramel pan purdue with a jojo tea ice cream and a tea meringue it's super i mean it's a very rich night <laughs> like you're having a lot of rich food but the idea is like to be very indulgent you know um and so far the five that we've done everyone has loved it. yeah I'm, i want one now everyone has loved it uh it's been like an experience i've very much enjoyed it it's been like we built the Giridon like we didn't just buy one. We built it to fit in the dining room better. So yep. it's, it's thinner and longer. How much does that cost? I don't want to talk about right. it. Um, and, you know, we did the whole like this whole – it's just been like I really enjoyed it because there was so much planning that went in it. And even with all the planning that we've done, we still have to do a lot of tweaks. Like we planned – if this table gets it, where we have to put the gear down. Yeah, yeah. If this happens, where we have to put it. Like, you know, when you sit on the banquette, we have to ask you to both sit on the banquette. And then we so turn just it. you know, you do a table side. When I did that one time, they actually asked you to walk up oh, really? to the place, if that makes it easier for you to find a better location. And you walked up, and they let you push it down. No way. Yeah, so they, they pressed it, obviously, but they, you could turn it a couple times. Wow. Uh, yeah, I won't say that. I like that. Anyways, um... So yeah, I've really enjoyed this, and it's all. And we've talked a lot about 
this on the podcast, which is as Ariat like gains its identity more in like the, I think I feel more comfortable with putting more of like myself out there, which that's a whole other podcast, but, um, I really see the restaurant take more of shape of like what it's supposed to be. And something like that is supposed to be like what it is. Cause if you look at it, if you watch videos of this stuff, what time is that Nave or Ariat? Ariat. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And as, as the restaurant kind of like gains more of its identity, you look at videos of like the duck press online. It's like chefs and like chef whites with a toque. For us, it's a very like Miami thing. Like I'm dressed in all black with hat backwards. And, you know, like you hear hip hop in the background. And sure. it's like, this is like what makes me super proud to be doing the kind of food and like for area to be the kind of restaurant that it is because it wants to ide- adopt the identity of Miami so much, you know. So to be able to do something and we're the first one in Florida, I believe, and only the six in the country to do it. Is that right? Yeah. I didn't realize it was such a rare thing. Well, it's just super Expensive. It's, yeah, no, it's, it's a ten, very it's, expensive it's, program to like take on, and then it's just a lot of training and a lot of upkeep too, because you know the duck needs to brine and then it needs to dry age for twenty days, and then you need to be prepared for it. And that's why we only do right now. We're only doing two a night. The goal is to be able to do four a night, right, well, and for people to just order it. Date night is happening at. Our I like that. Summer. I like that. We should bring Richard too. He'd probably enjoy it. You can come on a date with Richard. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah. So I guess uh, that's my recommendation is hometown barbecue, um, and, and the yeah, I I'm gonna actually go now that you went for like 45 minute tangent on ducks. Perfect. Uh, I might as well talk about some stuff we're doing. So in La Cocina, um, my family I'm Puerto Rican Jewish. I think you know that. Yeah. My mother is extremely Puerto Rican. Like when you she walks in the room, like fucking you know Willie Colon starts playing, <laughs> and uh, you know my dad's a New York Jew and he's very authentically New York. Jewish, um, and they've been married, and they're still married, and that was my upbringing. So what we used to do for the holidays was um, we'd have what we called the Hanukkah Chon, and it was basically our version of like a Noche Buena, but we would go out of our way to invite non-Spanish Christians and Catholics and invite a lot of Jewish people to kind of partake in the festivities, but we would still roast a pig and do the whole nine yards. My parents are older now, so I decided to take that into La Cocina, so Instead of Noche Buena, which obviously would have nobody coming in Miami, we're going to have Noche Noche Buena the night before Noche Buena, and we're going to do a whole cajina, and it's obviously oh, all free love. food and all that stuff. We're going to have a Domino's tournament, but nice. we're doing a whole crazy shit with Cuban Santa, and it's going to be a fucking blast. I mean, I'd I'm going nuts. To come to this. It's going to be it's free first off, so obviously you're going to oh, pay for drinks, but then. you know, uh, free coquito on top of shit. But it's but it, but it is going to be fucking awesome. And then this one, I'm more proud of. Uh, but just to kind of incorporate the Miami thing. So the Dolphins obviously suck. Oh, and uh, Miami. Just, uh, uh, chill, chill, I'm chill. just having a hard time with all Miami chill. football. Just control yourself. I'm sorry. sorry, you, baby. So um, the oh. Dolphins are not good. And so in one of my 3 a.m. rants uh, of not being able to sleep, I came up with an idea mm. that, you know, the Dolphins have been in the Super Bowl since 1984. I know, the year watch, before I was born. If you watch Ace Ventura, it would technically be 1990, I believe, two, three, four. I'm not sure. They were technically in the Super Bowl in Ace Ventura. Oh, uh, yeah. So the day before the Super Bowl this year, and we're going to do this every single year, we're going to have an event called Please Forgive Us, Ray Finkel. Oh, Finkel we're is gonna, Einhorn. We're going to recreate Kush to be Ray Finkel's room. Oh, man, it's um, going to be so we're good. We're collaborating with Tank Brewery. They're going to make a Laces Out beer, and every card is going to be 
paperclip to Dan Marino laces out football card. My staff is going to be dressed as Ray Finkel, and then we are going to uh, collaborate with a local dolphin charity because I'm going to do a seance on a dolphin. And we're going to sacrifice a dolphin, obviously a stuffed dolphin. But um, So we're going to have a Please Forgive Us Ray Finkel event the day before the Super Bowl. And we're going to do that every single year until the Dolphins win the Super Bowl. Or at least get into the Super Bowl. So who's going to dress like Einhorn? We don't need anybody to dress. We're just asking Ray Finkel for forgiveness. Einhorn is Finkel, and Finkel (laughs) is Einhorn. We're asking for forgiveness. Yeah. So I got Isotoner posters, Dan Marino posters everywhere, and we got a dartboard, and we got the whole thing. My Christmas thing at Ariad is just so, like, not as fun as that. We're doing Chinese Christmas, <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, we're just doing like a, it's nowhere near that fun. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't know what to say on that, but <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, I'm just fuck, I'm just like, fucking scratch it. We're out of here. We're not going to do any of that shit now. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, hopefully I see you the day before the Super Bowl for yes. Please Forgive Us Ray Finkel. Yeah. And uh, if you're a Dolphins fan, again, you should come. I am, but I'm sadly a Dolphins fan. For the seance? Yeah. Fuck, man. It's hard being a fucking Dolphins fan. It's really tough. Just being a Miami fan in general. You know what it is to get beat up by the Marlins? Like, the Heat are the only one, and the Heat just, it's like fake good. They play good teams, they get rocked by 30 points. Anyways, we'll be here for another fucking 40. Yes, that's true. You're absolutely right. And the Marlins got two, so as much as you hate hate that part, they got two. The Marlins, they they bought the championship, and then they fucking dismantled the teams. I'm not saying it's a good scenario. Yeah, I'm just saying saying it's hard hard to support that. You know, and then we buy them a stadium, and then the guy sells the team. Fuck that. So uh, you can come to uh, Locale in Coconut (laughs) Grove, Farm to Table Concepts. Uh, we have Vicky's house, which is uh, basically themed after my house in 1986 when I moved out of my mom's house. Just don't play them in Tech Mobile. Yeah, a lot of that stuff is um, actually from my mom's house. I'm not sure if she's considered a hoarder, but there is plenty of stuff from the 80s that she did not throw away. Um, it's also Coconut Grove's only beer store, so if you ever need uh, craft beer to go, uh, we're doing that. Oh, yeah. Spillover, we got the new chef, Juan, who's the fucking shit. I love him. His menu's amazing. Um, so come to Spillover for brunch or for just uh, check out his menu. We got La Cocina, which is Hialeah's first cocktail bar, Hialeah themed. We got uh, Stevens Deli, Florida's oldest Jewish-style deli. Okay. And then we got Kush, uh, obviously, you know, a beer bar with, uh, you know, made food made from scratch over in Wynwood. And uh, hopefully next year we'll have a couple more things. Um, yeah, and if you happen on. to be on Lincoln Road, get a burger and then stop over and get a short rib right next door. There you go. Hey. That tuna conserva was really good. I know, but nobody fucking bought it but you. Yeah. <laughs> it was it. So, yeah, I, I love the tuna conserva. It's still on our fucking menu here. So I have a recommendation. Oh, oh wow. hey It'll be field. quick. Past podcast guest Vanessa Garcia hey. has a novel that just came out in audiobook form. It's Amazing. called White Light. Oh, yeah. Uh, and you can find that on uh, Audible. I bought it on Google Books. And is it about? Uh, so I'm like a quarter of the way through. I couldn't tell you exactly what it's about. A gist or something? But it's, it's um, so far, uh, this is about a painter, and she's going through some things. Thanks. So it's a very, like, it's a, it's. I mean, you didn't do so a good far. job selling it right now. I'm yeah. just going to say, if, I'm going to buy it because if you're interested she's amazing. In, if but. you're interested in her approach to storytelling and the way that, if you heard the podcast, and the way that like her Miami-ness and Cuban-ness comes into what she does, you know, it's, it's, and it's I believe that it's the same character from the novel that you and I are reading in uh, early yes, version yes. of. I do want to say, when you're, uh, back to your Danny Surfer interview, oh. um, he mentioned The Boys, and I actually watched it afterwards. It was really good. I just so, started good. watching it. So I just want to thank good. you for uh, yeah, recommending that. I just watched Jack Ryan. That was also good. Yeah. And it blew my mind that they like did that in Venezuela. Not that they shot it in Venezuela, but like that that's the story. Yeah. That was like, 
super cool. I liked it. So, so we're doing a Netflix recommendation. Have you seen Fauda? No. Fauda's the fucking shit. If you haven't seen Fauda, F A U D A. What does it have to do with? So fucking good. Uh, it's the Israeli uh, Secret Service. Oh yeah. It is. It's like a documentary thing. No, no, it's a show. Okay. It's 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 the fucking shit. And El Mahenal. Have you seen El Mahenal? No. It's about an Argentine jail. Fucking also deliciously amazing. Uh, deliciously both of those are three amazing. seasons. I like highly that. recommend that. Uh, Can I give one more shout out? Yeah, yeah man. Just, yeah, this is what we're doing. So, uh, you know, I failed every art class. I hate art my whole life. But oh, yeah? somehow later in life, I feel like I've become more of an artist than anything. But I do want to give a shout out to my boy Camila Rojas because I have these crazy fucking art ideas in all my restaurants. And they would look like shit if it wasn't for him translating that into real art so gotta give him love because i was lucky to meet him before locale and uh he's been with me ever since you know working and collaborating with these projects that we do that's cool so only because i did such a shitty job explaining what this book was i'll go ahead and i'll read, <laughs> I'll read the, the listeners are, are anxiously yeah, yeah, waiting yeah. for what the book is about so here's the uh the product description on amazon the thing is that i just started <laughs> listening to it because i was like Where i mean we? whatever it is i'm gonna listen to it anyway i didn't bother really to figure out what it was about uh, i figured i'd let it surprise me so just before her father's sudden death Cuban-American artist Veronica Gonzalez is offered her first gallery exhibit, a real chance to break into the art world. Torn between the need to mourn and the pressure to create new artwork, Veronica is propelled into a fever dream of productivity and grief amidst memories of her tumultuous relationship with her colorful but infuriating Cuban emigre father, a volatile man of outsized appetites and passions who never stopped longing for his homeland. Praised by Nobel laureate Wol Soyinka for its lyrical pace and texture, White Light maps a young woman's struggle to distill her grief, rage, and love onto the canvas. Nick really brings a lot of energy to these, so, these things, right? There's that. Yeah, I mean, Nick is he's uh, really he's the backbone of this whole thing. Can I ask you some question, Nick? Sure. Because you're the cigar guy. Okay. Um, what's your feel on uh, Cuban crafters? On Cuban crafters? The place, the store, the, the, sto- the cigar I, shop. I, I recommend Cuban crafters often for people who uh, want to buy cigars but want to be guided through it. The selection is one of the best in the city. Uh, I mean, one of the best in the country, really. It's hard to find a retail shop that has a wider selection and a staff that's better at guiding you through it um, at the risk of uh, upsetting. But I'll, I'll treat this as I only like, ask I'm it because... my cigar hat off. I don't like going and hanging out there. Okay. Uh, it just doesn't feel comfortable to me. But I will 10 times out of 10 recommend that somebody go there if they are looking to buy... Especially if you're looking to like stock up on a variety of cigars, that's about as good a place as you can. I just feel like Captain Cush would say that Cuban Crafters is the ultimate Miami experience in every possible way. You go in there. He you told get you that? Sh- Captain yeah. Cush? Oh, he's been there. Yeah. So I follow him on Instagram, Captain Cush 305. <laughs> um, you go there, you get your coffee, you get, you know, you're yeah. watching them hand roll cigars. You can get cheap cigars, you can get expensive cigars, or playing dominoes, you can shine your shoes, you can get a fucking haircut, you can be sitting next to a basketball player, a politician, or a freaking, you know, a plumber. Or people doing a radio show. I, I love Cuban crafters. Or people doing so. a radio show, at least at or one Captain point. Captain Cush does. Yeah. Uh, I will say, assuming that the things that I have heard are still true, because none of those deals were final, as far as I know, that whole experience of going and smoking there is supposed to get a lot better soon. Oh, I always oh, yeah. enjoy it. So... Anyway, uh, this is where we do our shameless plugging. Wow. Oh, we didn't do that already? You, you did it. Well, you, you, you did you, it. You plugged, you plugged. Kush a bunch of times. You plugged. Like, let's actually just tell people, like, URLs. Uh, oh, no, but I did that already. Handles, all that yeah, stuff. Oh, your, yeah. your AOL Messenger. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know. Uh, if they can't find them by looking for okay. the restaurants at this point, I think yeah. it's, uh, I think, you know, he's, my Which parents could find them. Yeah, Pig Inc., Ariat Miami, Nave Miami. Yeah. 
Chugs out, Diner. Timeout Lena. Timeout underscore Yeah, timeout Lena. underscore Lena. Uh, and my personal is Pig Inc. Did I already say that? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, you did. did. You did. Uh, all right. So finally, you can find Pancom Podcast on at Pancom Podcast on all the social media things. DadeMag.com slash Pancom Podcast. And we have now recorded four episodes of a new podcast in the Dade family of podcasts. Oh, yes. So thanks to Ariette, because we've been uh, using Ariette's dining room downstairs as a, to record these as well. It's called Step Into the Sandbox. It's hosted by David Verjano. It's a good name. Uh, Step Into the Sandbox. So it's all about people's creative process. You, whether you like it or not, will be a guest on this podcast <laughs> at some point or another. I know Mike loves top ten lists. So when are we doing the top ten interviews uh, for Pancom Podcast? I feel like you should put that together. Because I, I would really we love need an to hear that. Because I could be opinionated about that, I feel like. Top. <laughs> I, I would. I'd be happy to have you put together the top, like rank them. Yeah, like I will know, say this: do you've, you've done an amazing job of getting. Uh, here's the thing: I don't like. I've never, like I said, I never listen to podcasts. The only thing I really talk about or like talking about is food in Miami. That's the only thing I even like fucking talking about because it's my life. So the fact that you put something together with people that are actually, um, I'd be interested to get a little bit deeper into, um, has been great. So you, their selection of people have been very high, if and I, I hope may, you keep it up. I I want to have a medium in which we can create our own content so people really learn who we are because i don't think there's enough people talking about who matt is or who mike is or who richard hales is well richard i mean yeah um maybe but, you should come with like scripted questions next time then maybe to get me? a little bit more i'll into never that. i'll never like ever people do listen to this they'd get a pretty good sense do they yeah i think so that's what i mean we've i'll never i'll never script anything the only time i ever did that is when i was talking about a racist dude are we doing that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, whatever. I mean, we're not, we're not, I'm not going to jump into that pool now, but I'm just saying, like, I, I don't, I feel like it's more of a natural conversation. All right. Okay. I've never, I've never scripted a question. He wants me to. Listen, he sends no, no, me no. notes. I, I think him, there should be like 10 bullet point questions. That's what I said. Just, just to at least four. use the guide. I've told him four bullet points would be good. Because we went on a couple tangents here that probably didn't need to go so far into no, left it's field. totally fine. Did we? Yeah. I don't Listen, know. It's not can like we add, is there anybody at, like, on Facebook Live that we can ask how it's we not do like, it? It's not like, no. The three people that wanted to see Petey the dog? Come on, we're good. It's not like tea time with Mike and Mike that was six hours long each episode. That is a beautiful dog, by the way. And does Petey know that we do free dog biscuits at Locale and Still Over every day? And that we have a dog menu at those restaurants I, I don't know whether he knows that but he, well he knows he's oh, he has okay. uh had a bowl of dog food at kush okay so right, kush. Okay. We, don't, we barely even do it at kush it's because he's you, done it yeah, if you bring your dog at kush you might get run over by a car you're on he the street came, there though luckily he doesn't really want to move around a whole lot yeah spill over in uh locale is uh, a lot safer to so finally you can support what we're doing at patreon.com slash date mag i know we've been saying this for a while but uh we will be uh at some point before this episode by the time this episode goes up our signed copy of Genuine Pizza by Michael Schwartz. Oh, Michael Schwartz. Will be up there. Uh, so stay tuned for all that. Also, thanks to Matt for bringing all this stuff that is on this we're table. We're going to raffle it all off. So, yeah, we're going to raffle I'm going to get Captain Kush to autograph one yeah. of those stickers. For or sure. Cards. That'd be so, awesome. I'll get them uh, over here. And then are you are you claiming one of these caps, Mike? I brought one for both. I'm taking this one. Oh, so, yeah, you figure out which of the other two. He was born in Hialeah, so I don't know. Oh, come on. I'm taking that. You figure out which other one, and then we'll raffle the other one off. Fuck you. I'm just, I don't the Where'd the other one go? There were three caps. There were three caps. What happened? Oh, there's two. There was two. No, there was two. Oh, there were two. Okay, fine. So we'll, we'll figure something out. We will be raffling other things off. Um, and then we'll have we'll have Matt sign stickers. No, not me. Captain Cush. Oh, Captain Cush. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. here, He's around. I'm sure we can put up a signal. He's randomly in the area. All right. 
So with that, you've been listening to Pancom Podcast. Uh, this has been... It's a matzo ball. Yeah, and, and we will also put matzo ball soup in the mail for you. Uh, all right, thanks a lot. Uh, catch you next time. Thank you, gentlemen.